Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the 2009 New Year's Eve service entitled Midnight Cry and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 to 13. The service opens with a word of testimony from Brother Roy and Brother Chris. Brother Roy didn't even have to think about that, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on up here, Brother Roy, where they can make sure they hear you with that. Just like to say that the Lord is faithful. I've proved that over many years. I don't like to say how long. It's a long time because it happens to be a long time, partly because I was saved when I was nine. Amen. Oh, I thank God for that. Praise I thank the Lord for that. And I remember I'd been learning to write in those days you did at school that about that age, I suppose they can do it now, you know, before that age. And my, my writing, we used to call it real writing. And it, they were big letters like this, and, and so on. And I wanted a Bible. I didn't come from a, a, a Christian family. I came from a good family. My mo- father and mother, father was in the army. And uh, I know he was upset because he didn't see me and I had a sister, Laura. She's with the Lord now, nine years ago. And he didn't see us, she was nearly two years younger than me. For, for five, he did see us at times, I should say, sorry. He used to save a, a tin, an Oxo tin, with all his sweet rations. He was rationed then, he never saw sugar or uh, eggs. It was dried egg in tins, dried milk in tins, things like that. But my father saved the mouse bars and the fries, chocolate creams. When he came home on leave now and again, until he was sent abroad, he used to bring these. But I I used to learn, I learned to write with this big lettering. And my family was a good family, but we we had no Bible. And I was saved at the Ermston Gospel Mission. Lovely little place, so homely, only small, but... I remember it all those years ago. It was lovely. And I was saved, as I say, and then I wanted a Bible. And they got me one, one that uh, I think the government provided at that time. I'm not quite sure. I might be wrong there. And it was very small print. And I wrote. I was so full of desire to serve the Lord at that time and do something for him, I wrote in it and I wrote a prayer in the front in my, this, this big writing. Well, things went on all right, but after a few years, when I was about 12 years old, I began, I don't know, I can't remember more than that now, I began to get cold in heart towards the Lord. I still went to the mission, I still went to the meetings, But the Lord knew, and something was used, an event in my life which involved my mother. And my mother uh, gave birth to twins, twin boys who would have had twin brothers 13 years younger than me if they'd lived. But she had a miscarriage, and the midwife came in the house. Of course, I was 12 then, but not like these days, I suppose. I didn't know much about any of those kind of things. But my mother nearly lost her life. And the two twins, the the twins, I mean, they didn't live, of course. And that pulled me up sharp. 
the Lord used it. It's wonderful how I've found the Lord can use things to teach us lessons. And he did with me. And I thank God that my mother was spared. She had to have a hysterectomy for her own safety. You ladies will understand that very well later on when she was better and able to go through it. And after that, it brought me right back in heart to the Lord. I was then into the, uh, when I was 12, 13, into the Boy Covenanter class, which Mr. Mills, Mr. and Mrs. Mills led the, the Covenanters, Mr. Mills the boys, Mrs. Mills the girls, no children of their own, but plenty of spiritual children. And I was keen, how can I put it? I wanted more of the Lord. I wanted him. And I used to enjoy, I was the youngest in those days. <laughs> and we used to have the Covenanters Fellowship after the Gospel meeting on Sunday night for a little while. And we used to also have on Sundays visiting speakers. Mr. Mills was the superintendent of the mission. And many of them, they knew God. And they used to speak about a deeper experience with the Lord in various ones. I can't remember all the things that were said now, but it drew me. I had a hunger in my heart, a real hunger. I can't relate everything because that wouldn't be right. It'd go on too long. But the thing is, it took a year and I really felt I wanted to know more of the Lord, not, I hasten to add, not just with mental knowledge, that is excellent, Bible knowledge. I did receive prizes for that uh, attendance at, at the Covenanter class and the Sunday school before that and things of that nature. But the thing is, I wanted more of the Lord. I wanted to know him in a fuller way. I realized that I needed to know victory over sin because the Lord Jesus Christ saves you from the power of sin as well as its penalty. He does. But many Christians today, I mean evangelicals, I've experienced it over a number of years. And they label you as believing in sinless perfection. And sadly, they don't know when it comes to that, this issue what they're talking about. It's not that at all. It's deliverance from the power of sin through the precious blood of Christ, the power of his spirit and the cross. And may I say this, my testimony is this. As I've gone on, and of course I'm, I'm 74 now. And the thing is, so I've had some experience of life Thank God he saved me from the awful things. When I had to do national service when I was 18. I was Christian. Never been in a more godless, terrible environment in my life at the beginning, especially foul, filthy language, the foul way of life with some of the poor lads. And uh, <clears throat> but the Lord kept me, recalled for the Suez crisis. I wasn't in the actual fighting. That was the 3rd Battalion, the Parachute Regiment, who lost two young men, died of wounds, 20 years old. But they captured Port Said and they could have gone through. Oh, excuse me, brother. But our good, good allies, the Americans, said, you know, that's enough and so on and so that. I was very thankful 
Oh, brother, I was thankful because we, you didn't know what was going to happen. The, I heard later on, I didn't know at the time, the Russians had been watching and uh, uh, Israel had driven the Arabs out of uh, Gaza Strip at that time. And uh, so the Lord was watching over. I can't go into that, it's too long. But bless the Lord, he was with me. But when I was 14, Mr. Mills, because of something that happened, he paid for me, my parents couldn't afford that, to go to the Keswick Convention for a week. They had a week then. And I'm not going to pass any comment. It isn't now what it used to be. May I leave it? Thank you. May I, may I leave it at that? But the thing is, oh, I... You could sense God's presence. It was the biggest tent in the whole of the land then, in canvas tent, I mean. And you sense God. They had a lovely grand piano and two speakers each night spoke. God's presence was a reality. You felt it. You knew it. And uh, on the Tuesday night, it happened to be Alan Redpath was speaking and he spoke on the secret of power. It wasn't that, in a sense, that I was, uh, as it were, to get power, but except in this sense, deliverance from the power of sin. Yes. And as he spoke about the cross, I saw my need of Christ and that there was a deeper meaning. It's wonderful to have forgiveness of sins. Of course it is. And all the lost, oh, it grieves me to see them lost, going to hell and destruction, thousands and thousands in our land today, in this great city, second next to the capital, London. But the thing is, I realized I needed this. The deeper meaning that I died with Christ. Was I willing for that? Was I willing to take my place that I died? And in that tent, the Lord had been preparing me, preparing my heart. I yielded silently in my heart. As soon as I did, the peace, I cannot tell you, it was wonderful, marvelous peace. Nothing to do with outward demonstration, but in my heart, oh, and a joy that was so deep. I wanted to get home to the house where I was staying. I was sharing a room with my friend who was older than me a few years, courting one of the girls, Henry, his name. And uh, the others uh, were in, the girls were with Mrs. Mills in another uh, part of the town. I don't know where that was. And there was Albert, he was the eldest, and Eugene, they shared a room. And before Henry came in, he used to take his girl a walk, of course, you know, courting, by the lovely lake there, beautiful place, Keswick, as you will know, no doubt. I got by my bed and I knelt down and gave my life to the Lord. But the thing is, it was before that, it was in the tent there. And the Lord has kept me to that all my life. Now I must, I've been 10 minutes now, so I must draw to a close. But the thing is, may I say, dear ones, the Lord is faithful and be conscious in my own life of failings because the enemy was right after me a few days, a week later. And it made me think that I'd lost what the Lord had given me. But my dear mother 
It was a few years later when I told her about this. I didn't tell Mr. Mills. He never knew about this. I think I should have done. I was so young. I was just coming nearly 15. And he sought to deceive me, the enemy, the evil one. And I had a struggle with this in one sense. And I've learned since then. I should have done. I hope I have done. At least I should have done, shouldn't I, all these years. And certain things that have come across my path, I won't mention uh, the name of one book because it may cause a bit of misunderstanding. Nothing wrong. Very good indeed. It's to do with Christian warfare against Satan and evil spirits. And don't please let nobody get any wrong ideas uh, because I mentioned this. But the Lord has kept me and he's led me. There are many other things that have happened and I must leave it at that. But I still, at this late stage in my life, I still want to serve him. I was a London City missionary for some years. I was in Peckham. I was in Stockwell. You all have heard of Stockwell, an open district. I know that station well with that poor young Brazilian man. The police, with all respect, what were they thinking of? But anyhow, that's by the way. But then a little mission hall in Peckham for a few years. And after that, that's another story. That must finish now because your good pastor has been very good. Thank you, brother, for giving me this opportunity. And... My desire is to serve him and to give him the glory. And that I testify that there is a life of victory over sin. Hallelujah. I'm not a Pentecostal not by any means, but I know it's reality. And I pray you may know it too. All right. Thank you, Brother Roy. And uh, praise the Lord. It should be an encouragement to all of us. God is able to keep us. Amen. And uh, and also, you know, just to, to see that desire still. What do you say? 74, brother? Is that what you say? 74? But, uh, amen. Still that zeal, that desire to go on for the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? What a testimony. Amen. Um, first of all, the Bible says that it'll give us a love of the truth and um, I think that's what Roy was saying basically the love of the truth and I want to thank Pastor Larry of Jane is the only one that really knows this and um, it used to really pull my hair out with the churches and um, I was part of a church that everything that Pastor Larry's been preaching on for the last 28 sermons would have made no sense to them at all and I've prayed to God so many times that, oh God, just please put me in a church where they preach what the Bible says and, and that I can um, know that we're, we've all coming from the same place. And um, I just want to thank Pastor Larry and thank everyone here that, um, you know, I've been out here over a year now and... Um, this, this is my home now, and I've got no desire to go anywhere else. Um, you might not, I might rub you up the wrong way a few times, but 
somewhere in the Bible it says iron sharpens iron and that's what it's all about. But what I, what I want to say was some of the people that have been in the prayer meetings already know all these kind of things, but I've only been back in work for about six weeks and the whole of last year and the beginning of the year before when Matthew was born, I had some time off when he was born and then I went back to now work. And um, now I've come through the other end. I've got great faith. But right in the middle of it, I'd got no faith. And I just want to try and encourage you that God is over your circumstances. You're in them, but God is over them. And um, I want to try and explain. You might not understand this, but I hope that I can explain to you. This is how it worked out in um, a situation that happened within my family. Um, I'd got no work and I'd got a credit card. I'd already got a, quite a lot of money on the credit card that I owed anyway that I was on a, a good wage and I could pay £500 a month off the credit card easily and not, not take any money out of my wage. And um, I bought a lot of things that I didn't need. But then when it came to the point where I'd got no work, there was shopping that we needed to buy and, you know, but I'd already got, you know, quite a lot of money on there anyway. And... Um, I could see all these, the money that I'd got to pay and no money to pay them. And um, I wrote on the calendar, pay credit card, and I, I found the minimum amount. And I thought, oh, I can only afford to pay that. I couldn't really afford to pay the minimum amount. And I remember looking at the, on the calendar and just saying to God, God, you've got to, you've got to pay this off. And Pastor Larry said this in a few times, you know when that prayer has been heard? It wasn't like I was on my knees weeping, not that that's anything wrong with that, but I just knew that God had heard that prayer. And um, I went to bed on the evening, and um, I kind of knew that he was going to meet the need, but kind of like was doubting that he was going to meet it at the same time. And then um, I had a tax rebate for the amount. But if I can... I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, God's real. You know, you know God's real. But like, God is real. Like, he's actually met that. And it was like three and a half thousand pound. It wasn't like, you know, a thousand pound. It was three and a half thousand pound. And he met that need. But this is what I'm trying to say with the circumstances. People who are self-employed all understand all this kind of thing. About a um, just gone, kind of like January coming, I had a tax bill for £4,000. So I had a rebate of three and a half and then, a ta- and then I, that money was gone because I paid. I thought, well, I can't use this money now that God has said pay that card off with and spend it on anything else. So I paid it all off and um, I was brilliant. I was got no debts on, the, you know, I'd gotten all the, all the debts. And, um, and then I had this tax bill for £4,000. And I thought, God, I don't understand. Why give it me back? And then now that the tax bill's coming, why don't I just keep, you know, I'd rather, at least I can pay the credit card bill every month. There's no way I've got £4,000. I said to my accountant, I ain't got four quid, let alone £4,000. But this is how God sorts things out. My accountant said, he says, I can't get the bill down. I can't. And he's, he's not a Christian, but he knows that I'm a Christian and I don't want any scamming. I, want it, I don't want the government to have anything that I don't want them, but I don't want to pay extra. And um, he says... Um, I can't get it down. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I mean, I said to Jane, I don't ever going to do this. I don't know ever going to do it. Bear in mind, God had met that need, and I should have thought God will meet this need. But now, I was down again, 
And um, if me accountant phoned me up and he says, I've thought of something, it might be a slim kind of like um, chance. He says, get all your books for as far back as you can get them. And I've got them for like 15 years, all the way back. I'd got them for more than that, but they were in a bit of a state, you know. And um, he said, I'll go through the whole lot. And um, he went through them all. And he says, you've paid tax twice on about one bill of £25,000. Because it was like my, my tax year ended funny. So I'd got two days that consecutively went on for all them years. So I paid tax twice on two days for like 20 years that I didn't know about. Now, God knew that. And God, I wouldn't have known anything about that. So God used that to bring that money about. He got the tax bill down to £2,000. I paid it last week. You know, I saved a bit of money every month. What I'm trying to say is God knew that there was money there that I could, you know, that, that, that it was his or that I could have used or, you know, and but we go down and we go up. But God is, is our foundation, isn't he? And he's solid and he's sure and we can go up and down. And um, the amount of times God has met our needs, I mean, um, I'd got no road tax for my van. I'd got no money to put any road tax. Any job that I come in, I thought I can't do it because I've, I've got no road tax for my van. And then the, the, bill, the, the money for the road tax turned up at the front door. I've said this in the prayer meeting. I went to the vat, to, to the garage with a puncher, and the guy gave me a free tyre. Normally they have all the tyres off and say they're no good, don't they? But God, give me, he gave me a free, he says, there's a man just come in, same car as you, he's had all new tyres, and this one's got, he's only used 100 mile on it. Do you want it? <laughs> now, how, how can that not be God? And then I'll just say this one more thing. I mean, this is, and then another time, right, I'm listening to, I never listen to Radio 4, it's too kind of like boring. For me, anyway. And um, I'd got Jane likes Radio 4. So she'd got Radio 4 on in the car. And um, they were talking about loan protection. And I've shared this with the, in, the, in the prayer meeting as well. And um, they can't, the government now have brought something in. They can't force you to have a loan protection on the loan that they sell you. And I'd got a loan protection. I've always had a loan protection on in case, you know, circumstances like this. And um, I took loan protection out. And they said, I can't force you anymore to have loan protection. You've got to have a 21 day period where you can shop around, get the best deal. And I thought, yeah, I remember being in circumstances where the banks have forced me, if I want that low interest rate, I've got to have their loan protection. I thought, oh, yeah, oh, I've been in that situation. Bear in mind, I never listened to Radio 4. The next day, a letter comes in Mr. Mansfield, we want to inquire about your loan. This is a loan that I had about three years ago that I'd paid off. And I thought, there's money I owe on this loan, and I don't even know. It's like four pence, and it's going to go on for 20 years. I'm going to owe them 200 quid at the end of it, and I don't even know. So I found them up thinking, I owe them some money. They've made a mistake here. I've paid it off. And I found them up, and I says, um, the loan's been paid off. There's, oh, no, this is not the loan. This is your loan protection. We want to give it you all back, right? If you... Um, and I says, well, I've paid it off. It doesn't make any difference. And he was kind of like a bit... He'd got to word himself right because what I said could have made the thing void. And he says, do you want to proceed, you know, and, all, and I said, yeah. We had a check for three, um, 2,727 quid, the whole amount of the loan protection back there on a loan that I'd paid off three and a half years ago. And, now, and that's what we've survived on this last year. So I'm in a position now where I've got some work. I don't know how long it is for, um, but, you know, I said to Len a few times, I'm like the queen, I don't need money. You know, to say the Queen don't need money. I, was, I felt like that. It's like, well, 
I don't need any money because if I need, God's going to supply it. And then I'd go down and think, I hate going to the job centre. And do you know what I mean? And I'd be up and down. But God stayed the same. God knew what was going to happen. And uh, even, you know, the, the suit that I come to church in, I, ain't pay, I don't pay for that. <laughs> I said to God, you know, the only suit I've got don't fit. And the suit that I've got, God paid for that. So if, you got, if you're struggling, you might still struggle. But you'll come out the other end of it, and then you might end up struggling again. But there'll always be—we've always got God to go to. We've always got God to meet our needs. He might not meet them, you know. He might let you go down a bit first. I was always one for giving to other people, and um, <clears throat> it's humbled me to accept of others. And um, I just want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for your giving to my family. But most of all, I want to thank God that he's in my life. I was just saying to Jill, you know, there's nights on a New Year's Eve where, you know, I've been sick out of car windows and just junk. And I thank God that at least my kids are in church. I thank God I'm saved. I thank God my wife's saved. And, um, you know, that in spite of our failings, we should have a love of the truth. And that should be the thing that drives us, not knowledge, because knowledge puffs up, but a love of him and a love of the truth. And that should be the thing that unites us together and um, I just want to testify that God will meet your needs even though sometimes it ain't how you want them to be met but that sometimes you'll meet them just beyond like unbelievably just blow your brains with what he can do and um, so there you go thank God open your Bibles to Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, while you're turning there, I was thinking, Brother brother Chris was giving his word of testimony and following behind Brother Roy there, they used to, to sing it. It was an old down south country song where I grew up. It said, ain't God good to give us so many blessings, undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to thank him, love, and praise him a little more today, and a whole lot more tomorrow. And uh, we serve a great God. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. You know, we, we looked here in the prayer meeting uh, some weeks back now with all that we've come through at Christmas. But, uh, you know, when Peter got out and, uh, and walked on the water, as long as he had the faith and kept his eyes on the Lord, I mean, that was an impossible thing. But nothing is impossible with God. But when he got his eyes on the sea and the waves and all that was happening around him, he started to sink. Faith, trusting God, believing God that will be there for us. Matthew chapter 25, I want to give you just a few words before we uh, come up to, uh, to the midnight stroke here. Matthew chapter 25, and uh, I'd like to read verses 1 through 13. Would you like to stand while we... Read God's Word this evening. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. 
The foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. and They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, will you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this time that we can have together this evening for each one that is here. We pray, Lord, that it might be a time that each one would be encouraged, refreshed. Lord, in giving thanks for what you've done for us in the year that's gone by, but looking forward to great things from you in the year ahead. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Of course, in just a, a few moments... The clock will be coming up to midnight. In our reading here of the wise and the foolish virgins, you notice there in verse 6 it said, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. You know, as this earth that we live upon, that God created and placed us upon, and as it turns on its axis, you know why they call it midnight? I know that now man gets to messing around with, with the clocks and everything and uh, times change from the summertime to the wintertime, but midnight was simply short for middle of the night. <laughs> uh, this was supposed to be the, the middle of the night, the time when that it was the darkest, the time when that point of the earth is at its farthest point from the, uh, the sun and the warmth and the light that, uh, that comes from it, the time when you would least expect anything to happen because it's supposed to be the quietest time when everybody's in bed and everybody's sleeping. And of course, we often speak of spiritual midnight as well and referring to that time which is the greatest departure from God, the farthest away from God, the farthest away from that, that spiritual light. And certainly, I believe that in spiritual terms, if we're not already there, we're fast approaching the midnight hour this earth, when man is at his farthest point away from God spiritually. I read a book about a man named Richard Wormbrandt, about his suffering for 14 years in a communist prison in, in, in Romania. And, you know, as you read that book, I thought, it's just it's absolutely amazing that the man even survived to be able to, to put these words down on a page. It was actually in, in, in reading some of his experiences that, that the Lord began to first give me some of these thoughts that I just want to relay to you quickly. I don't really have time to give you a sermon tonight, but I want to give you just a few thoughts to think about. Notice in 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3, and as we look there, notice down in verse Verse 16. 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, it says, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. 
And the woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. This woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son which I did bear. The other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Now, there's a lot of things that we could look at in this reading. The truth is, is that in the end, (laughs) the king knew how to find out which one really loved that child. And for the one that was right, you know, God was in control. But it was at midnight when this baby was stolen. It's at midnight many times in that the midst of that greatest darkness that we think of of all the negative things that might happen. But midnight is not the same for the child of God as it is for the world. You see, as we approach midnight, folks, as we approach the darkest point spiritually in this world, The reality is we approach the coming of our Lord. (laughs) It's going to be a bright day. It's going to be the greatest day, something that's far beyond anything that we've ever even begun to imagine. Midnight. Midnight doesn't need to be something that is negative. The Lord said in John chapter 9, verse 4, the night cometh when no man can work. But you know, When a thing is impossible with man, that doesn't always refer to what can be accomplished with God. And the truth is, even now, you know, we live in a time when, folks, we could become very discouraged in the fact that, you know, that we cannot accomplish what needs to be accomplished. But I believe with everything within me as I stand here tonight and as I declare to you once again, you are here for a reason. You're still breathing. You're still living in that body for a reason. It's not just to exist and it's not to build up your coffers upon this earth. It's not to see what we can accomplish in men's eyes. If you're a child of God, God has something for you to accomplish for all of eternity. The midnight hour. Yes, It often relates to negative things in the darkness. But for us as Christians, it doesn't need to be. We need to be reminded in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, where he says, All things are possible to him that what? That believeth. 
as we were speaking earlier. To him that believeth, all things are possible. I won't take time to read because time's evading us, but if we turn back to Exodus chapter 12, we could read there in the story in verses 29 to 37 that, you know what, it was at midnight when the firstborn of the Egyptians died. When those firstborn babies were taken. But it was also at that same hour that the chosen people of God were freed. Praise God. We find that in Judges chapter 16 and verse 3, it was at midnight that Samson took the gates of the city of Gaza. There were nothing in the power of God. In Ruth chapter 3, verses 8 to 11, it was at midnight when Ruth received her promise from Boaz, I will do unto thee all that thou requirest. In Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 34, we find that it was at midnight when Paul and Silas won the Philippian jailer to the Lord and he became a child of God, praise God. You see, midnight is the darkest time spiritually and sometimes that can get us down, but I'm saying Christians, we need not be discouraged. It just means that the task is there and it's a great task and yes, it may be way beyond us. But it's at midnight that we see even reading through the scriptures that God has accomplished the impossible. And God can use you as an individual and God can use us as a church. You see, even though we're approaching the midnight hour, not just here this New Year's Eve, but spiritually in this world, we're approaching the midnight hour. But I believe that it can be our greatest hour as individuals and as a church in the coming year. Do we believe that God is going to use us as people, as his children? Is he going to privilege us as a body of people to win others to Christ? Oh, I want to see this church grow. I want to see it fuller than it's ever been since I've been here. Not so that it can build a name for man or for any of us, but that more people can be won into the kingdom of God. And that this church can be a stronger church, that it can win even more, that it can have a, a greater witness, a greater influence, not just on our community and our city, but around the world even as we help to send other missionaries to other parts of this world. Yes, it's nearly midnight. And it's nearly midnight spiritually. But let us look and be encouraged. But you see, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 66, Psalm 119, verse 62, he said, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee. It's a time when, folks, we need to give God thanks. We need to praise him for all of his goodness. Again, I don't have time to read it to you, but in Acts chapter 20, verses 6 to 12, you can find that the word of God teaches us very clearly that slumbering and slothfulness is very dangerous. And I'm saying that, again, spiritually, I trust and pray that that will not be you nor me in this coming year. May we not be slothful and slumbering when it comes to the Lord's business. Maybe we alert. May we be active in doing that work that he has left us here to do. We find that in Matthew chapter 25, 
The parable is given to us to underscore the importance of being ready for the return of Christ. We don't know when he's coming. Even if he delays longer than we expect, which he's already done. I expected him last year. I expected him the year before that. I expected him the year before that. I'm no prophet, but I expect him in 2010. I expect the Lord. Because the truth is, if, if he hasn't come yet, we've got to be even closer. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. The Bible tells us that no man knows that. But we're beat to be ready for him right now, at this moment, at this time where that we are. We find that in Mark chapter 13, I'll give you these words in closing. In Mark chapter 13, Verses 34 to 37. It says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore. For ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch, watch. You've heard me say it to you times before. It's one thing to say that we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is simply saying that we believe that he can come right now. Anytime, soon, we believe in his coming. The truth is, if you really, really, really believe that, if our lives were lived in such a way that we really thought when that clock strikes midnight, in about, I don't know, I've got about two and a half minutes on, on my clock. <laughs> if we really believed when that clock struck, struck midnight, that the Lord was coming, that that was it, that was the final stroke. We probably would have something we wanted to say or do in these next two minutes. <laughs> the truth is, if we really believed that he might come tomorrow, that he really might come tomorrow or this week, we would live our lives differently. We would have different priorities in our lives for what we need to accomplish this week. But the truth is, that's the way we should be living our lives. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, for this simple thought that I was challenged with in Lord, reading of what someone else has gone through in such difficult times. Lord, as we read in the Word of God, I pray, Lord, that though we may be in dark times spiritually, and though at this moment we're not only approaching the midnight hour on the clock here, but surely spiritually, we're approaching that midnight hour when men are at their farthest point spiritually from you ever. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be, the coming of our Lord. Men had gotten farther away from you than they ever had. Well, that's precisely what's happening again. Lord, may we not be discouraged as a people, as your children. Lord, I pray with, Lord, all my heart that if there be anyone here this evening that's not prepared to meet you, that doesn't have that certainty of knowing not just that they go to church, that they've got a dose of religion, but that they've been born again. 
And I pray that even this night would be the night that they would come to know that. And Father, I pray that as we enter this new year on the calendar, that each one would be encouraged. Lord, that we would truly watch and believe that you're coming and live our lives accordingly. And Father, in this darkest hour spiritually, may it be the finest hour as we truly yield ourselves to you to accomplish the impossible in this dark world. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.